0: Welcome to the you School Podcast, where we believe inside of everybody there is a great story waiting to be discovered and lived. This is the show where we guide you on your journey in discovering what your story could be. It's your life. Don't let anybody else write it. All right, everybody, this is your host of the U-School podcast, Scott Schimmel. I'm the president and the chief guide of this whole operation, no pressure on me. But today I'm thrilled, and I told her before we started this, that she is my favorite guest I've ever heard on a podcast. I heard her on a, be interviewed by someone else, and I've thought for probably, I don't know, nine months, I can't wait to start a podcast so that I can have a place to record a conversation with her. I'm not just saying that. Melissa, I mean it. This is Melissa McCormick, a longtime friend of mine, former colleague of mine as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not going to give much of an intro, Melissa, but I would love for you to share a little bit about you and your story, what you're doing, and just to set the context for this conversation. And then I'll tee up kind of the, the topic after you introduce yourself.
1: Great. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for having me. It's quite, quite a compliment to hear that you enjoyed the, no the last podcast. Yeah, no right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Don't be boring. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right.
1: Look alive, look alive. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and I work here in San Diego. Uh, and in addition to working as a therapist, I also work for a nonprofit faith-based organization with much of, most of my time uh, at San Diego State University, working with college students.
0: Okay. Those are, so you have two jobs.
1: I do have two full on careers.
0: That's <laughs> that's weird.
1: <laughs> it is. It's super weird. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, there's more overlap than you might think. And I keep kind of waiting for the day where I have to pick one, but mm. so far for the past 10 years, I've been able to do both and I love both and they bring out different sides of me. So I'm mm. going to keep rolling with it until I can't any longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, most people your age haven't picked one career. You picked two. <laughs> that is true. So
1: that is true. Crazy. I'm I'm very intentional with not working more than forty hours a week. Um, so <laughs> okay. it does require a lot of uh, creativity.
0: Okay. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, Maybe we'll take kind of uh, one side at a time. And I'm curious true. when you say being a marriage and family therapist, I I think when I at least from my experience uh, working with the veteran community, uh, working with athletes, working with students, that there let's say used to be. Uh, a huge stigma about therapists and jokes about it. Kind of like in the same way you joke about lawyers, you joke about therapists. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't hear that as much. Um, and, I, and that's a good thing, I think. And obviously in the youth world, we care deeply about people's inner lives. So we're all pro-therapy. I'm still in therapy mm. decades later. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, because there's lots of kinds of therapists out there. Uh, for you, why why are you a therapist? Like, what do you care the most about being a therapist and what what is it about for you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So for me, I growing up, my sister, I, I have three sisters, but the oldest one is thirteen years older than me, and oh. so she's a school counselor. and so growing up, I got to hear a lot of her stories when she was going through grad school and you know, starting her her career as a counselor. and I mm-hmm. loved hearing her stories of helping. Particularly, kids is, is oh. who she spends her time with. And so, I think for me, I have always had a just a high capacity for listening to other people's problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you're always that person. <laughs> yeah, I am. But I think it looks different on me than it does for a lot of women. Um, because I think a lot of times the stereotype of the therapist is just that they just like sit there quietly and you're yeah. just. You know, Nod. you're laying down. Yeah, yeah. they're just like listening mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. your problems. Yeah, sweet things to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is not really my style. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've always had a heart for the underdog. So I think my empathy is particularly for the underdog, and I love encouraging people to be the best versions of themselves. And so that can be kind of annoying to people at sometimes because you know I want to tell them ways that they can be better at whatever they're doing. Huh. <laughs> so okay. as a therapist, I've had to learn when it's appropriate to encourage people to take risks and go out of their comfort zone and when to just Sit back and let them have space to process what they need to process. And
0: what do you mean by underdog? Is that an underdog of like their station in life or is it more of their mindset?
1: You know what either one either one that's that's I've never thought of it thought about it like that But it really is anyone who's marginalized in society um, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have a particular interest in empowering them, but I mean anyone especially if they just have a poor outlook on Themselves, which is a lot of people. Yeah. I find it really life-giving to me to be able to just encourage them to write okay. a new narrative Is the way that we talk about it. Oh,
0: cool hey, like that in yeah. The world. What? Yeah,
1: Okay, yeah, rewrite their own stories and the yep. way that they're viewing themselves. Yes.
0: Hmm. I love it Okay, so <laughs> your other career do you take the same? Approach as you're working okay. with students in a faith-based context is it the same. Are you doing the same kind of work?
1: Yes, I am. I'm doing a lot of the same kinds of work, except for, of course, I'm not diagnosing um, my college students, uh, not out loud, at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say, sure you're
1: not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, with them, I love watching college students come to know who they are, Hmm. uh, because there's just so many things that are vying for their identity in the world, and college is such a unique time for them. And I think... You know, parents oftentimes, more often than not, they do their very best with their kids, the best that they know how with their resources. Um, But even so, almost all of my college students that I come in contact with, they are there's painful parts of their past that they're dealing with, and there some of them are dealing with it in productive ways, and some of them are making choices out of that trauma. Okay. And so I love helping students to shed some of those painful things from their past and step into what the future might have for them and part of that is processing mm-hmm. the things that have happened to them and again kind of rewriting their story in the way that they view themselves and the world around them.
0: Wow okay so there are probably 19 different <laughs> ways to go in this conversation and <laughs> I want to and and you're gonna have to come back if you're willing for most oh, of
1: course. of okay. course. <laughs> so
0: the theme that we're in this month uh, is called squad goals and it's this <laughs> idea of relationships healthy relationships and a new school we talk about really five key components to living uh, an authentic, healthy, happy, productive life. And the the components are more questions that we ask people. And if you can can get an answer to these five questions, then what we've seen for people is that everything else can get organized. And the last question of these five is the month that we're in. And the question is, who are your people? Mm -hmm. And when you don't know the answer to that question, We've seen people tailspin. We've seen people make poor choices. We've seen people suffer under depression, anxiety, lack of clarity, confusion. But I know from my life, uh, speaking personally, uh, I can take, and I have taken, extraordinary risks. And I literally, through my thought process, think, well, my buddy Charlie could care less about what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I fail, if I go bankrupt, if I go to jail, I know he's still going to stick by me. So there, it, it helps me. Um, clarify who I am and what's important to me because this guy's with me and he's for me, no matter what.
1: Mm -hmm. Same
0: thing as wife and kids, et cetera. So in this theme about squad goals and your work, particularly with with students, with college students, Mm -hmm. um, what are you seeing as maybe unique challenges that they have as it relates to friendships? Like what are you, and this is a really broad question, obviously, but what are some trends or themes or, or areas where you feel like, I keep seeing students get stuck in this way as it relates to friendships.
1: Yeah, I think today students have a lot of friends and that can be acquaintances that they see at school or uh, more specifically friends online, right? They're, they're yeah. following people that don't even know them. <laughs> yeah. They're connected with thousands of people, uh, huh. but there's not a lot of actual genuine connection. Okay. And so because of that, I think one of the challenges that students are facing is that they are in this negative feedback loop where they don't actually feel connected. They Mm. don't have these innate needs met of connection and belonging. And so then they, but they think said, that they
0: do, maybe? Is that they do.
1: They do think that they do. Yeah. They do until they get to my office, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then it takes them a little while to kind of detox from the reality of their lives. And they realize, you know what? I don't actually have anyone who really knows me. And so mm. then they're in this feedback loop of feeling anxious, feeling depressed. Mm. And when you're anxious and depressed, it's really hard to connect with people. Yeah. And so then they're just kind of stuck scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, trying to get their needs met. Yes, exactly.
0: Wow. That's even darker than I thought.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's quite sad. It's quite sad. But it's, it's, I feel like I can talk about it with lightness because it it can be easily fixed with time and support from people who know how to help them.
0: And maybe that's, uh, and tell me if I'm crazy, but is that part of the first phase of this for somebody in terms of growing into healthy friendships, it's that realization that I'm actually not connected. I don't belong. I'm not, no one knows the real me. Is that, is that part of the first phase?
1: Absolutely. And that's terrifying. Yeah. It's so vulnerable. You feel so exposed when you realize, wait a minute, nobody even knows me because what that means is all these people that like me or like my photos, they don't actually know me.
0: Wow. I remember that freshman year colleges because I'm so old. It's way before social media, but I remember having a thought as I'm packing up my stuff at the end of freshman year and people in the dorms are saying goodbye and getting each other's numbers and can't wait to see you next year where I thought to myself getting in my car, number one, um, if I don't come back, no one's going to miss me. Mm -hmm. And number two, if I don't come back, I'm not going to miss them either. And I feel like I was at a decision point. Do I come back and try to fix that? Or do I transfer and go somewhere else? Yeah. But I remember the feeling that that was, that feeling of isolation and loneliness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's way before social media. I just had to imagine that. Right. <laughs> I think social media kind of potentially, uh, like you said, affirms your aloneness because right. they don't know. Exactly.
1: You. Exactly. And so for, for that moment for you, you had to decide do I want to be intentional with these friendships or do yeah. I want to go somewhere else and use my energy elsewhere? Yeah. And I think a lot of times for students, they don't know how to be intentional because they feel like they're connected mm. all the time, but they're actually not in reality making genuine connections. Most of the time, of course, social media, yeah. you know, there are opportunities for genuine connection, but for the most part, people aren't actually connecting with their whole yeah. hearts through social media.
0: Okay. So this is because I think a lot of people listen to this podcast are parents or educators or responsible for students and I see certainly a high level of critique right now from adults uh, about social media and like a blanket condemnation, like this is ruining kids' lives. And so um, what, what would be a healthy stance, do you think, from an adult perspective who works with kids or who has their own kids? Because I hear that as a parent, I want to make sure that I can help my kids, uh, that I can guide them to see what you're talking about, to see... The difference between real connection and false connection how like how do you do that without being just an annoying old person <laughs> right
1: right <laughs> well and you know I think part of it is how parents are modeling their relationship with social media Ooh. I think that's a big one mm-hmm. I, I mean you know now that I'm getting older uh, in comparison mm-hmm. to high schoolers uh, my social media feed is full of parents and yeah. and pictures of kids and you know, every moment is being documented and put online. Of course, it's going to be confusing for kids when yeah. they get old enough to get to be online as well. And we say, no, you can't do that. But I'm also not listening to you because I'm scrolling through Instagram mm. uh, because I, as a parent, want connection too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's all coming from the same place. It's not that we're you know, horrible people or horrible parents. We, we want good mm. things for our kids, but we also want to get our needs met as well. Wow. So I think modeling it is gonna be yeah. the first the first part of this conversation.
0: That's interesting because I've asked students, high school students I'm thinking of right now, when I ask them about this kind of conversation about their friendships and I'll ask them to tell me about the the way they've seen their parents hmm. have friendships. And what I've heard a lot from many students, all different demographics, is I'd say at least half the time students will say, you know, I don't even know if my parents have friends. Wow. And that's, I mean, I could think of, um, I'm not going to talk about my parents in case they're listening to this, but I can, you know, I'm not surprised. I guess yeah.
1: I say that.
0: I'm not right. surprised that kids don't see their parents engage in ongoing, healthy, supportive relationships, um, even if their parents are social.
1: Active. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What's, and that's often because kids are their whole world.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's hard mm-hmm. to connect. Yeah. It's hard to connect the older, the older you get it's a different thing. That's it. That definitely is a different episode for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so to, back to you as a therapist, what, why is it important? Like, you know, what's your, what is your philosophy on uh, why have healthy friendships or why have friendships where you connect with each other? What's, what's so important about that from a psychological therapeutical standpoint?
1: Yeah. Well, I really believe that there's an innate need in all of us to belong. -hmm. Somewhere, I think that's just the way that we're Mm -hmm. created. You know, we learn as a baby that if we don't belong, we don't (laughs) we don't get shelter. You know, it's just an innate part of how we were made. And so, I think a big part of it is just that we all need that. We need a place to belong, and that sense of belonging, when we have it, it buffers against anxiety, depression, other challenges, it kind of creates this barrier, if you will. Not that, you know, we can't still suffer from those things if we have connection, but it it really creates spaces for us to be able to process things. And when things in our lives go unprocessed, that's when things like anxiety and depression can increase.
0: Okay. And friends (laughs) help you do that, help you process.
1: They do. Healthy friendships do.
0: Okay. Okay. That's a subtle difference, right?
1: It is. Talk about that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so well, you know authentic friendships are different than just acquaintances and Brene Brown who's a researcher and professor yep. whose work has gotten, you know quite big over the past few years yep. uh, she talks about Trust uh, being a requirement for true connection. Okay, and connection is when we feel seen and understood okay. so in order to have a true connection, we need to be able to tolerate vulnerability in our friendships And vulnerability is risky because it comes with emotional exposure. So there's a big difference when I think of people that I see in my life around, you know, around town or at parties, things like that. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to emotionally expose myself (laughs) in front of those people. That would be weird. That would be inappropriate, yeah.
0: <laughs> but people do that at bars. They
1: sure do. And I, <laughs> let me tell you, those people find me. If It's at a grocery store or a gas station. Those people find me, so yeah. they have their radar up. But, you know, I, I try not to be that kind of person who pushes through people's boundaries and, and spills onto them. So authentic okay. friendships look different in that they're they're reciprocal, which is something that is crucial. And also they're a space where you can have genuine connection and, you know, tolerate vulnerability. Okay
0: what so do you recommend that people develop like be strategic about the kinds of friends that they have
1: i i do i think we have to be intentional about everything it it seems like nothing worthwhile just happens <laughs> yeah. you know it seems like we need to be intentional and so i think there are two types of friendships that are important to have okay uh, and one of those is authentic friendships where you can connect and you know really Share with people what's going on in your life. Sounds like you have that with your friend uh, yep. that you mentioned. Yep. Yeah, so that's an example of that. And then in addition to that, I do think it's important for kids and for us as adults to have friends who are different from us. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, it's, it's really easy to kind of get trapped in our own worldview. And then because of that, we see a lot of polarization. I think we're seeing that increasingly uh, in today's climate. If we surround ourselves only with people that we can go really, really deep with and feel belonging all the time, then, you know, we're not expanding our horizons to learn about other people and their experiences. So I think it's it's a balance of having a few people that you can go really deep yeah. with, yeah. but then opening yourself up to other types of relationships as well where you can learn about other people's experiences that are different from your own
0: this well and the world needs that right yes. now more than yes. ever
1: exactly exactly
0: what do you recommend back to speaking to a parent or a youth worker or a teacher how what's your advice for let's say us who work with students young people how do we help students facilitate that how do we what, what can we do to help them both see their need for healthy friendships and then create it or help them create it? Obviously we can't do it for them. It's weird to have play dates when you're in college, in high school. Sure.
1: That would be odd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, gosh, I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff that we could talk about in here, but I think first of all, the best thing that parents can do for their kids in this conversation is to help them learn how to identify their own emotions because we cannot have authentic connection with people if we don't know ourselves. Okay. And now, of course, a seven-year-old, when they're you know, out playing baseball yep. at the park, they're not going to be processing their family of origin trauma. That's not what they're going to be <laughs> doing, right? So they're going to be using their own language to process their life. And, and a seven-year-old's language is going to be play. They're going mm. to play. They're going to work things out They're Maybe yeah. they're going to fight with their friends. They're going to fix it, right? Yeah. They're not, they're going to disinvite people to their birthday parties and then they're going to reconcile That's mm. That's how they do it. And we need to yeah. let kids do that huh. instead of interceding and, and getting in the way all the time. I think wow. it's, it's helpful to allow kids to work stuff out and we can do that by helping them identify their emotions now, this is going to be really hard to do if we as parents and adults don't understand our own emotions.
0: <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say that.
1: Did you? <laughs> yes. It's it's hard because we have to look in the mirror, but that is so crucial because we can't have authentic relationships with our kids and the kids that we're working with if we are not identifying and processing our own emotions.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Um, by the way, at the end of this, we're going to give your contact info (laughs) (laughs) for parents to call (laughs) sessions, by the way, travel.
1: (laughs) Yes. I, yes, I do. I do.
0: (laughs) Do you have any observations? This is one of our last questions. Do you have any observations for, and you've talked about social media, uh, like why are friendships hard?
1: Yeah. You know, I think friendships are hard. For all of us, because of that risk of vulnerability, it's, it's so tempting to just go through life pretending that everything is okay. Yeah. But when we are honest with ourselves about what's going on and we're not honest with other people, it can be really scary. Yeah. You know, all of our minds can go to dark places really fast. Hmm. And as soon as we say things out loud, we're bringing them into the light in a way that allows for other people to speak into them. Mm. And I can tell myself over and over again that I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm good enough But when someone I care about tells me that It's it's a different type of affirmation. It's a different type of encouragement Yeah, and so I think it's but it's vulnerable to ask for that and when we are sharing what's going on in our lives and things that are difficult we're we're inviting people's opinions and People's ideas into that and that's a risky thing. Uh Hmm Yeah, it's dangerous it yes. feels
0: dangerous. It feels yes. uncomfortable. So if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to avoid it. Right. Right. It's Correct. natural.
1: <laughs> Correct.
0: I wonder yes. if you have any thoughts. I, I probably have some thoughts too about this, but let's say there's an adult listening to this and they're feeling a little bit of panic or some mm-hmm. guilt or shame about, man, I don't have, I don't have close friends. Maybe I used to, it's been a long time. And um, so what, what do you what would you say to an adult that doesn't have close authentic friendships? Like what what do you do with that? What do you do if you're in that spot?
1: Yeah. Good question. I think first, you know, it makes sense that we'd be feeling shame about that, particularly as we just talked about how they're so mm-hmm. crucial for the last 30 minutes, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> right. it's it's you know, I think what I would want to say to that particular person is that it's not too late. Mm. It's it's never too late to foster relationships. It just takes a type of intentionality, and so when we're in school and when we're in college, we're surrounded by people who are yeah. our own age and the same interests. There's a ton
0: of free time.
1: Exactly. There's a ton of free time. The older we get, the older our kids get. It's it's more difficult, and it requires right. a different type of intentionality. Right. So I would just encourage that person to first of all, kind of just let let it let it be where it's at. It's okay that you're there. Mm-hmm. You've obviously been prioritizing other things, likely other people mm-hmm. in your life—your spouse, possibly kids, work. Uh, right. And so, allow yourself some some time for yourself. And part of that, part of taking care of yourself, is going to be being intentional with your primary relationships. Who are mm-hmm. they? Identify one to two people. Yeah. So I like being around them. It shouldn't feel like work, right? This right. is fun. <laughs> right. So who do you want to be around and can you spend an hour of time with them? Even if your kids are in the other room playing,
0: you know, mm. is that,
1: is that possible for you? And can you make that happen?
0: Yeah, invite them to do something. Right. It could be very tactical.
1: Yes, or
0: invite yourself to do something (laughs) that they like to do.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, something maybe you're already doing. One of my favorite go-tos. I love when people are like, "Let's catch up," and I'm like, "Oh boy, okay. When can I fit that in?" I like to invite people to exercise with me. Oh. Let's go for a hike. Yeah. Two birds with one stone. I got to move my body. It's good for me. It's good for my brain. Also, I want to connect with you. Let's do both. Both of those things at the same time.
0: That's a great point because I know I grew up in a in uh, a work model where catching up with a friend meant sitting down in a coffee shop face-to-face mm. for approximately an hour plus or minus five minutes and <laughs> yeah, carry on a conversation good. that goes deep and I think uh, the older I get the more I realize I think I'm kind of intimidating or weird to people especially guys <laughs> in my mid-30s late 30s whatever
1: sure.
0: and to your point it's like well I'm not why would I go do that like that I would never do that like that's not what closeness means to me but Closest might mean mountain biking or exercising right. or I don't know what, yes. um, go serve the, the, at a soup kitchen and say, Hey, do you want to come with me for the next, and it's four hours of being shoulder to shoulder.
1: Yes. Together. Side-by-side. Side-by-side activities are wonderful. Yes. They can feel like quality time. Again, you know, you don't need to be sitting in a, like, dark corner with candles talking about (laughs) your family. Like, (laughs) it doesn't need to look like that. Yeah. It doesn't need to look like that. It just needs to look like quality time where you're being intentional and asking each other good questions, but also just enjoying each other.
0: I remember in college, there was uh, my sophomore year I came back just to continue that story in case anyone was. I did find <laughs> yeah. friends, Good. I did get Good. Married. but one of the, that, that, that first friend that I really made in college was a guy named Dave. And I remember thinking, I like Dave, kind of to your point. Like, I like him, I like being around him. Mm-hmm. And I took, uh, what in hindsight felt like, or it looks like a very courageous step. And I just, I said that to him, I said, Hey Dave, I would like to become better friends with you. I don't really have a lot of close friends in college. And he said, Really? Neither do I, I would love that. Wow. And as we started to hang out and spend more time together, I recognized after a while, maybe a year, that we sometimes would talk about things that matter. Most of the time we just chit chatted <laughs> and joked around and did stuff together. But there were some things that were happening in my life that I feel like I really needed to talk about. And, uh, but I, we, didn't, we hadn't gone there before. We didn't know how to do it. And so one day I said, hey Dave, uh, I lo- can we hang out later? And can we have a one-on-one? And I remember so we went we went and uh, took a walk together and I and I told him some stuff about what was going on in my family That was very I hadn't shared with anyone before very deep meaningful conversation We both remembered almost 20 years later, but that then became our code for each other for when I need to talk about serious stuff Hey, can we have a one-on-one and it was it's such a simple small thing, but it's different than saying hey Do you want to go see a movie? Hey, do you want to go to the beach? Hey, do you want to go play golf or tennis or something? It's, Hey, could we hang out? And I, I maybe we could have a one. So whatever that code is, perhaps for a good friend of yours, chances are most people already have one or two or three people that they are close to, but they might not go there very regularly where they share stuff on a more authentic, deep level. And so figure out what works for you to go there. Uh, maybe it's that same phrase. Hey, can we, can we have a deeper conversation tonight? Uh, could I ask you, could I share with you a couple things? even before we get there, because then you're kind of you like punked yourself. <laughs> it's like too late. <laughs> hey, what did you, you wanted to talk about something? What was it? Oh shoot. Okay. Here we go.
1: Yeah. I, what I, what stands out to me about that story is your intentionality. Yeah. You made a decision and you yeah. saw, Hey, you know what? There's this need in my life that's not getting met. And instead of just waiting around for it to get met, yeah, you know, mysteriously <laughs> I'm going right. to do something to make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Melissa, I can't thank you enough for being on this episode, and I want people to know about how to reach you. So can you share as people want to get connected with you more, uh, hear from you more? I will post the other episode I heard from you from a different podcast in our show notes, but tell us how we can get it connected to you.
1: Sure. Well, I work at an office in Mission Valley. It's called Potentia Family Therapy. And so you can check out our website. We have a blog and there are many great therapists that work there that specialize in different things. And uh, you can find my email on there. It's just my first name, Melissa at PotentiaTherapy.com.
0: We'll write that down to you. And that's just a quick question. If someone was going to go to a therapist for the first time, what do they do? I think people ask me that a lot. Like, what do I do? Do they email you? Do they call you? Do they walk in?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, walking in probably won't work, (laughs) (laughs) but but you could call or email. You can check out that website. There's bios of all of the therapists that work there. You can see who you connect with. You can always email me. I love giving people referrals. I'll ask them. Okay. Work on, and then I love connecting people with colleagues in the community that are good at whatever it is that they need help with. So, So just
0: reaching out to you over email or call doesn't mean I'm committed to going to therapy for it.
1: No, doesn't mean you need to pay me. Absolutely not. Not yet. You'll know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. All right. I think that's helpful to demystify that because I know there are people that want, have told me I want to, I know I need to, but it's a little bit mysterious sometimes. What does that actually look like? And so, I think that's helpful. Send her an email, say, Hey, this is, and I like the way you said that what do you want to grow in, or what do you want to work on? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's different than saying, Hey, what's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which triage station can we send you to? Exactly. <laughs> that's great. Okay. Well, thanks again, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being a friend to you school to me and uh, we'll connect again soon.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Okay.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the uSchool podcast. We want you to know about our brand new LifeScript course. Our flagship program that we offer is now available in a digital environment on our website. The course is designed to help anyone who is in a period of life transition to reflect on the big questions that matter the most. Questions like, Who am I? What's my story? What do I believe in? What kind of person do I want to become? What's my mission in life? How can I best contribute? And who do I belong to? The digital course has been designed to be intuitive and deeply human. You will recruit your own team of life advisors to track with you the entire time you engage in self-reflection, giving you the feedback and support you need to write a great story for the next chapter. Just go to theuschool.com and if you sign up, use the promo code PODCAST10 to get $10 off the list price. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T and the number 10. Remember, you only get one life. Make sure your life reads like a great story.